0: What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. We're live from Las Vegas, Blue Wire Studios here. It's exciting at the Wind Resort. Haven't been out here, Brad. Got to check this thing out, what Blue Wire has going on. It's been a great experience. Love it. Um, listen, we, we are live here. It's myself. It's Brad Steinberg. We're going to have some great guests on here in a little bit. Brad and I are covering the draft out here for the OBR Little media session today, Brad. Got to see the setup. What's your thoughts, man? What do you think of this whole NFL Vegas
1: do it big style? Well, first of all, this studio is amazing. It's amazing. Second of all, Vegas. I I've, I love Vegas, and I'm not even 21 yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, if I ever want to leave, man. This place is heaven on earth. I know it, it's incredible, but yeah, it's just nice to you know get out of Ohio for a little and uh, you know experience Vegas. It's uh, it's pretty great. So listen, as as
0: this thing is getting rolling, we're a day away from the draft. Did a couple shows recently where we recorded our last mock draft with our fans on Twitch. We got together with uh, yesterday Shane Hallam, got together with Sam Penix. a couple great guests to talk about the draft. The Browns aren't really going to be heavily involved in the first round tomorrow night, Brad. We know that. There's still stuff that was worth watching. I mean, you got to pay attention to what the division rivals are going to do. What's your hunch on Pittsburgh, man? Do you think they're taking a quarterback or do you think they're,
1: uh, they're going to pass? My gut right now is telling me Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh Ties there. But if I had to say my my gut's really telling me Malik Willis, they're going to move up and take Malik Willis.
0: That means he has to get past Carolina. The things that are interesting in the first round, Brad, as you know, if Carolina doesn't get a quarterback at six, they don't have a pick for, like, the next 100 picks. So that's where Baker Mayfield is the the automatic intrigue. Going to pay attention to whether they're going to make a deal for him over the next two days because that's when the Browns could see some return. That's when they still have things they can attach to make that trade worth it. We'll obviously pay attention to Seattle, too. That's the other key destination. But Pittsburgh jumping up from Malik Willis or sitting still at 20 and taking maybe, like you said, Kenny Pickett, keeping him local. Desmond Ritter they've met with a lot out of Cincinnati. That's worth paying attention to. The Ravens, they always draft well. We really don't want to see those guys end up with Jordan Davis or something like that. We'll pay close attention to them. Cincinnati at the end of the first round feels like a Tyler Linderbaum – slam dunk pick but who knows where they end up going any rumblings on the browns i know recently you posted on rumor central talking a little bit about deshaun watson some things so fill us in on what you've learned lately and any hunches you have at pick 44
1: yeah so deshaun watson there's been some uh, i guess people have been asking us on twitter as a fair way to put it um that suspense that his suspension might not be as long as you know some might think but i reached out to some people and he hasn't even met with the league yet so um, I have a hard time to believing that, but yeah, he hasn't met with the league yet. Um, and in terms of suspensionly, you know, there's definitely been some rumblings, and Watson's camp has definitely heard those rumblings. Um, but I just have a hard time believing those until the you know NFL really sits down with Deshaun and, and talks to him. So um, a lot to learn too, because
0: we've also learned recently that they won't be doing anything in a courtroom in 22 once the season hits, right? Right, and
1: there is some drama between the two sides right now about Deshaun, you know, attending those or attending OTAs right now, so um, all those issues are still being resolved.
0: Okay, a lot of stuff to learn there, obviously, that the next three NFL drafts, that's where our focus is, is Deshaun Watson, because that's the picks they gave up that really matter, so you need to, okay, cool, so yeah, we'll pay attention to Deshaun Watson, because that's what's going to really matter on everything that, uh, you know, that they're going to talk about, and uh moves the Browns make accordingly with these next three drafts will be about trying to find first-round talents and second rounds and third rounds and stuff like that. So the supplementation of talent gets more – I guess the way to put it, Brad, is it gets more critical. Picks 44 in this draft, next year second, the thirds. Got to find good players in those drafts because you lose a pick that matters, right? So your hunch at 44, what do you feel? Who do you think?
1: I don't want to say a player specifically, but I'm feeling wide receiver. Okay. I think – I, I feel pretty confident that Jadavion Clowney is going to be in a Browns uniform next year. Well, that um,
0: matters because that
1: changes the scope of and what And even player. if Andrew Barry said last week that it will not matter, it matters. I, I think that's very fair to say um, because I, I have a hunch that, you know, Jadavion Clowney might be signing a three-year deal with Cleveland. So Okay, that'd be um, good. That'd
0: be good because that alleviates a lot of the stress of picking a second round in, Drake Jackson, Kingsley and Agbury, many of those guys in like a Logan Hall type Third round, second round, third round defensive end, Cameron Thomas, San Diego
1: State. You got to really focus on taking that player if you don't feel like Clowney's back. Logan Hall's another one. They yeah. they um you know they spent a lot of time with him at his Houston pro day. But a forty four at forty four, name to watch if he starts to drop is Traylon Burks. Cleveland did spend a lot of time with him at his pro day. Yeah, and uh, they also tried to bring him in on a top thirty visit. But that plane broke down on the tarmac, so they met with him virtually. Um, so And they met with him at the Combine, and I'm told they were one of three teams to really stick out at the Combine.
0: So pick 38. We've been talking to Jack Duffin, who's our uh, salary cap guy at the OBR. Pick 38 makes a ton of sense. They can move up to 38, give up 40, 44 and 99, get back 38 and 143, something along those lines, which evens out pretty good in the J.J. trade scale. So that is an opportunity to move up. You could maybe go get him. People, listen, you sit here and say, Brad's saying Traylon Burks. They think he's going to, JOK, available in the 50s last year. You never know. You never know. So, Brad, thanks for checking in with this man. It's going to be a ton of intrigue. Keep uh, keep tuned to your Instagram account. Everything you have going on, Brad will be writing up pick report reports for us when those things start taking place. Maybe Thursday. Maybe they get tra- crazy and trade in the first round. But at the bare minimum, Friday, Saturday. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. Thank thanks for you. Spending... All right. We're going to jump to our guest, Jared Mueller, now, here in just a moment. Jared, what's up? Can you hear us? Yes, hey, sir. we got video, in, you guys? video and everything. What's up, brother? How are you?
2: <laughs> you know what? I'm doing all right, man. How are you guys doing?
0: We're good. Jared just passed off the Vegas experience to us. So we're out here now in <laughs> in uh, in the studios. Jared just got back 3.30 arrival time. He took the red eye Then I'm taking, the red eye Saturday, man. I don't know how you're awake right now.
2: You know, I got things to do. I got to get back to the, the full time tomorrow. So... Uh, just kind of get everything together, and, and here we are.
0: Here we are. Listen, I was just talking to Brad about the pressure, Jared, that's in the Browns' lap without a first-round pick the next three years. You obviously like the trade-off of getting an elite quarterback, but what you what you now have in your lap is a, a bigger amount of pressure to hit on those second, third, and fourth-round picks, right? Those things are now really, really important. Do you think the Browns are equipped to get those types of talents? We'll obviously just focus on this draft. Do you feel like they can get impact players at 22 and 44? Or sorry, picks off 44 and 78, those first two.
2: Yeah, I think it's possible to get impact, impact players. I think uh, Andrew Barry's done a really good job in the draft early and late. Where I have the most concern uh, for him is, has really been like kind of the third and the fourth round. This year's draft is really unique in that I would at some level rather have kind of a second and third round pick over that first round pick. I think this year you're going to see people in the first round really look to either kind of swing for the fences because not everybody really likes this draft or you're going to see them kind of, you know, let's make sure we get this kind of sure thing. And so really in the second or third round, I think the Browns will have an opportunity uh, to really bring in some midback players, whether they pick in those selections I think it'll be really interesting given how much we still know they value draft picks, uh, and how, you know, not bad that this draft is, but maybe not as impressive as this draft is comparable to next year and the year after that are expected to be, it could be really interesting. Uh, right now, if I had to to put a little money down at one of those many casinos I visited out in (laughs) Vegas, I would actually put it down on them trading down unless a Traylon Burks, uh, you know, uh, George Karloftis from Purdue, you know, one of those kind of guys falls. I think it would be more likely to see them trading down if they can find a partner. But I think everybody wants to trade down this year.
0: That's what I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah talking this week about how he's had two kickers, sorry, two punters and a kicker in his top 150. He's never had that before. So two kickers, a punter. It tells you about how weird this draft is. Do you think not just trading down for extra picks in this draft, do you get the feeling they're going to try to replace picks in future drafts? Do you think they're going after 23s and 24s?
2: I do, but I think that's what a lot of teams are doing right now. So I think that's going to be more difficult. And so one of the words that I love about analytics uh, is talking about market inefficiency. And so what I think is going to be really interesting to see is what does Andrew Barry see as a market inefficiency in this year's draft? Uh, there's some older players because of the COVID seasons, uh, some of those kind of things. So I think he would love to get some picks in future drafts, not just because of the Deshaun Watson trade and and all that, just because it makes sense. I think if it was a different draft, he would look to move up. He would would look to get more picks in the second or third round this year. I think it's just based on the draft itself that says, if we can move back, you know, one of the things we've seen in his, even in his trade-ups, he doesn't like to give away picks. He's more willing to, we'll move up in this round and let you move up to one or two rounds up And we'll take your two or three round pick later, whatever it is. You know, Barry likes to have some picks. And so um, I still think we're going to see him um, trying to be aggressive. But there's also limited roster space available. If we assume Jadavion Clowney's coming back and possibly one veteran receiver, there are not a lot of spots left on this roster.
0: Which, as we sit here, you know, one day from this thing, I talked earlier this week about there are still holes. We talked to to Brad here about the situation with Clowney, and the and the thought is that he's coming back. Yes, but the D line is in shambles, and I, I think wide receiver, while obviously a position that wants some upgrading to happen, it's 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 got some guys that are at least playable, right? Playable. While I worry about the defensive line, do you get a hunch that their value, like where do you rank them, like the D tackles, D ends, wide receivers? What do you need to come out of this draft with in your opinion for
2: Cleveland? That's a great question. You know, for me and what I understand the Browns value, and that's going to be a little bit different is I, I haven't seen the Browns really value the, the defensive tackle or, a, you know, a three tackle, one tech, tack, whatever it is. They just haven't seemed to really value that. They've been doing a lot of, you know, in this first two, two and a half off seasons, Andrew Berry has really brought in, you know, the stopgap guys, the third round guys, the fourth round guys uh, for that position. And I think part of that is it's really hard to find a really good three-tech, right? There mm-hmm. aren't many of them. And so you really need to, if there is a good one, you need to be drafting in the top 10, 12, 15 picks. Uh, so I think if I had to order those, it's going to be probably defensive end, even with Javion Clowney returning. You know, after that, you're talking about Curtis Weaver, yeah. right? That's, you know, and and Chase Winowich, uh, along with, I think there's a guy named Miles Garrett. Um, you know, he so if you can add kind of that, that third, fourth defensive end, you know, uh, I think it's going to be really helpful for you. Tack McKinley uh, is a free agent out for the year. You know, Olivier Vernon said he wants to return to the league after missing a year because of his Achilles. I just think it's really important to get a defensive end. I think they want to find a young receiver to build around in the second or third round uh, just to kind of have with Cooper over the next couple of years and then kind of go from there. That's why Jarvis Landry hasn't signed either in Cleveland, New Orleans or anywhere else. Uh, and so but wide receiver would be number two. And then, then I think it is defensive tackle and then closely followed by kicker, yeah. right? There are no veterans available. Chase, uh, beat Chase McLaughlin became the most viable candidate. They had to have somebody on the roster along with, uh, Chris Blewett and you can't have a kicker named Blewett. Like you just can't do no. that, man. So, um, so that's kind of the order that I would put those in.
0: Yeah. I would say it's, it's interesting. These kickers and punters, you know, with, with Matt Arez and and Cade York and, and, and some of these other names that have become pretty popular. Do you think they're drafting a special? Do you think they're taking one of these guys?
2: I do, partially because of the where their picks kind of lie. Um, I also think they just realize there's just not another option uh, at kicker. You know, they have to – you know, they lost games because of their special teams last year, or the games became far more competitive, you know, those kind of things. Even if you look back at week one, Jamie Gillen – uh, so they're hoping, you know, the Packers punter that they brought in will be that replacement. I think they just need someone they can be confident in. Yeah. Unfortunately, I always use this analogy. I'm not going to say I evaluate kickers in any way, shape, or form. But the reality is, is they're very similar to Major League Baseball relief pitchers uh, or milk. You want to use it until it spoils, <laughs> right? And so there are very few kickers that don't spoil. And so I do well, think tough, they will Jared, use too, a pick. Think,
0: think about this division. I mean, Pittsburgh it's lockdown you know it's lo- what's the name what's the name of that
2: that dude out in Pittsburgh? is that boswell that
0: is boswell so boswell's extremely good he had a rough year the year after he signed his extension but pretty good pretty good kicker we all know the best kicker in NFL history and tucker and then now this mcpherson who cade york and him went back and forth in college right the, i think it was york that kicked a 57 yarder after mcpherson blew i think he missed something like a 51 yarder in that same game to win it so yeah, I mean the the pressure's on in this division, who is, is one of the toughest divisions out there to kick in. That three teams out of the four have solved kicker, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I did a piece this morning talking at kind of the AFC, and I mean the North is hard, but the AFC in general is ridiculous. You know, Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill and Tua Tagovailoa are, are in, or and Mac Jones are kind of in the others list. And so, yeah, the the quickest way is to the you know to the division title. And, yeah, they they have their kickers and the Browns don't. And that that is something that I don't think you know, Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski are, are going to take lightly.
0: Okay. Good stuff from Jared here. I want to close with this opportunity. Give me two names, Jared. You would just absolutely be thrilled if they landed these two guys in this draft with their picks. Could be any pick at any point.
2: Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, so, I love defensive end and wide receiver in this draft. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by a lot of them. And so – You know, I would love to see them be aggressive. I think they really love Traylon Burks. And there has been lots of rumors of him falling. Uh, And so he is just someone who I just love the idea of having that kind of unique, different, strong kind of player um, going into that. And then, you know, I was talking to somebody, somebody sort of connected to the front office. I'll say it that way. Um, And the USC, uh, uh, Drake Jackson um, from USC, the defensive end, is another guy that I would keep an eye on. Um, a really unique player, a player who when the team said lose some weight that he did, you know, and gain mm-hmm. some weight, he did. Uh, he's a guy who who has some of those tools and those kind of things. So those are two guys, you know, obviously those are a little bit more dream oriented. Um, but, but I think Barry would be aggressive if he saw Burks well, you know, do you in, think the, in the late first round. We try
0: to mesh up a lot of these things with age, guardrails, uh, all of this stuff. And Burks, although he didn't test well, the GPS data is really good. So maybe the RAS score doesn't meet the threshold, but do you think they're going to rely more just like they talked about with Richard LeCount, where I know that Burks didn't have the fantastic 40 we were all expecting, but he was like a 22 GPS guy, one of the best GPS run times in the entire college football ranks last year, I think. So do you think that trumps some of the stuff they concerned about with RAS maybe?
2: I think it does, and I think when they look at size and all of the different things that will be going on with Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, hopefully Anthony Schwartz, I think they just see someone who can who can work some of the tight end stuff, obviously some of the more versatile swing passes and, and reverses and those kind of things. I think, yeah, the that kind of information is, is far more important than what you do at the combine or even at your pro day. And so I think they, they really do like Burks. I just don't know if they can, in a draft that's, you know, it's weak at the top, can Burks fall because they're just a bunch of different kind of more explosive wide receivers that teams in the first round really want? And for the Browns, finding that really good, you know, number two guy uh, with Amari Cooper would really be a great fit. And kind of give them that bigger wide receiver group that, you know, data is starting to show. Uh, size, started, size and speed are kind of important, uh, along with being able to catch the ball.
0: So the the trade that we talked about here, Brad and I, 38 Okay, so you would jump up to 38. Got to get out in front of Indian Atlanta somehow. It's a pretty good value in moving 44.99 for 38 and 146. You interested in that type of deal to go up and get a receiver you love?
2: Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, you could even possibly see they know they're at least getting one extra third round pick next year mm-hmm. uh, from Adolfo. Uh, getting the job up in Minnesota. They also believe that Glenn Cook yeah. will be a general manager next off season, so they could actually have two third round picks next year. So I wouldn't be shocked if they would be willing to use one of those picks, especially as we talked that other teams are more interested in 2023 picks anyways. Yeah. So I could actually see it being. Uh, I like your trade proposal, but I could actually see them using an extra compensatory pick next year uh, to really lure in a team that they want to move up a little bit and. And, and get that wide receiver.
0: I love it. Great stuff, Jared, man. We really appreciate you, dude. Thanks for taking time.
2: Not a problem, Jay. Good to see you, buddy. Enjoy your time. Thanks, man.
3: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
4: If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement.
0: jeff lloyd what's up
4: man you in the car no jeff is in the car just because it's draft week doesn't necessarily mean that i get to avoid dad duties jake you know how that goes i
0: do know how that goes
4: man what's happening how are you uh you know cringing and clinging on to what's left of my voice um normally you know you hope to make it to at least saturday with still having your voice here but um yeah we're holding in the best we can obviously you know uh for, you know, off season wise, most exciting week of the year, um, you know, feels a little, you know, almost kind of like we didn't get invited to the party, so yeah. to speak, as we're going to watch probably most of Thursday night go down. But I mean, you know, look, uh, you know, it, it, obviously you understand for, you know, as long as we've been covering this team, this was our Super Bowl. This was our playoffs. Obviously, this is a team now with a lot, lot different aspirations. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing beats draft week.
0: Nothing beats draft week, man. Let's talk about. I, I've had Jared Mueller on just before you. I want to ask some similar questions, Jeff. So the the pressure without Watson, right? Well, with Watson, adding Watson, losing the next three picks, first round picks. So you're looking at 44, 78. Next year, you're going to have rounds two and three. Do you think that they are able to get difference making type talents? in these, position, these next few drafts with getting some later picks? Do you think they can still figure out a way to do this? Because, you know, a lot of people talk about what the Rams strategy was and somehow that's become like this gold standard of operation when that's just not necessarily the case. But this idea of giving up picks for proven players, which you, do with, which you do with Watson, but then it's like the pressure's real, right? Man, you really got to hit on these later round picks you have now. Find some guys that can be second contract players, right? You think Barry and the gang are ready to do that?
4: This has kind of been the case. I mean, if you look at this, you know, we're we're going to the evolution now, where Nick Harris is now going to most likely be your starting center. Former fifth round pick, he spent two years, you know, waiting, biding his time. Obviously, got you know nothing but first team practice reps for essentially two years for this team. So that looks like a pick that you know is you know working down you know the road for them. Um, So obviously, certainly that gives you some confidence and things like that. You look at where Donovan Peoples Jones is. Here's a player. Um, you know, former sixth-round pick, you know, rookie year, you know, you got some nice things from him. Year two, there was a step up there. Um, you think there's going to be more progression here in year three, certainly with Deshaun Watson in the building. Just the fact that it is year three, and it's normally the year where a player who wasn't maybe necessarily drafted and won at the wide receiver position finally finds his footing and becomes more established. So it's not like that we haven't seen that, you know, Andrew Berry can find a way to find players on day three that eventually can turn out to be guys who can play big roles for this team.
0: Yeah, those those players are going to have to now step into the forefront. You're going to have to get guys that can be low into the roster, special teams, or fringe players at some of those other positions, Jeff. So the pressure's real. Pick 44 had Brad Steinbrook on with me earlier. Brad's here with me in the studio. We were talking a little bit about this idea of needing to jump up if you want a receiver, Jeff, there's six, seven guys in this draft. If, if somebody like Traylon Burks falls, if somebody like maybe George Pickens is the seventh guy, Jahan Dotson, I know you and I both like Jahan Dotson a ton. Atlanta and Philly are sitting in front of you, jumping up to something like pick 38. Are you into moving up for the right receiver, or do you just want to sit still, make these picks where they're at, or punt picks into the future? Because a lot of talk has been, Daniel Jeremiah, some others around this idea that, you know, that they've got – it's been a weird draft. We got we got a kicker and two punters in our top 150. We've never seen that. It's not a secret that the talent of this <laughs> draft is not real. It's not real deep necessarily. So are you of the thought of the thought that hey, let's move back some picks maybe into 23, 24 if we can or do you want them getting aggressive and jumping up and taking a really good talent that is that is there like a Dotson or a Pickens or
4: somebody like that? The question would be, you know, if there is a wide receiver there, but, I mean, you look at what this team has done to this point and where this wide receiver room currently is constructed. You know, Amari Cooper, obviously, you know, big expectation for him to be the number one wide receiver. Donovan Peoples-Jones, it's not like all of a sudden he's going to be forgotten. Um, this team, whatever anybody thinks about Anthony Schwartz's rookie year, the Browns have shown a tendency that they are going to give players time. I mean, of course, we don't know about you know whether or not Jar- Jarvis Landry, whether the interest in there for this relationship to continue is real. For me, I'm not necessarily sure that wide receiver is the biggest is going to be the biggest need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're all of the same belief that and Clowney will come back. But even still, you look at that edge rusher unit. It's Garrett. It's Clowney. Look, Chase Winovich was not a terrible addition. He's a rotational player, but you also need to think about what's going to be the future at that edge position. Miles comes back. It's a one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal. At best, I'm sorry, Jadavian. Obviously, there, that might be maybe where the better scenario is. I don't know necessarily. You know, in that 44, if you move up a little bit, you know, say 38, 35, whatever. Are are you talking about drafting your third edge rusher? are you talking about maybe drafting your fourth wide receiver? For me, I think the real need would be that third edge rusher. This defense cannot take a step back from where they were as the end of the season went down last year. So if I'm trading up, maybe it's more because I want to solidify that edge position. Um, But I think with the amount of limited picks they have, I think the last thing they need to do is get into a situation where they maybe even have – less picks or less picks in this top 118 which appears you know the best opportunity they're going to have to actually get a little damage done here
0: it's good stuff let's let's close with this jeff i got a question for you i kind of tried to pose to everybody this week give me a couple names of guys i know your boy Nick cross is 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 definitely climbing boards man this guy 20 and a half freak athlete is climbing boards who are your two guys you would just no matter what the fantasy world love to come out of this draft with
4: Nick Cross, for me, is obviously one of those players. I mean, you talk about a player that is not going to turn 21 until September 10th, which is Saturday night before the first Sunday NFL games. I like the fact that there is some Jabril Peppers to him, an aggressive player around the line of scrimmage. Um, the deeper play is maybe still a work in progress and some things that's going to come as far as playing on the roof. But you look at 4-3-8-40 time. You look at elite athleticism. You, you say, and what we see with the Browns is, is they trust that they understand – They're bringing players in who aren't finished projects. And we are going to have to do some coaching. Nick Cross, for me, is one of those guys. Wide receiver position, it's interesting. Um, We both love Jahan Dotson. If the Browns can't get one at 44, they can't get one at 78, what about a player like Khalil Shakur out of Boise State? He's just steady. And I think when we talk about, you know, everyone wants to find positives, whether it's athleticism, whether it's these types of things. When you're getting to picks 78, you're getting to picks 99, picks 118, you're not usually finding uber-athletic guys. Did he run well enough? Certainly in the four fours, he ran well enough. Um, has experience with the ball in his hand as a ball carrier at Boise State. Certainly an established receiver uh, you know, for Boise State. You know, 20 touchdowns the last two years, over 2,000 yards receiving his last two years at Boise State. I think this is a guy that comes in, and I think you can immediately use him but I don't think it's you know, you're going to look at him and say, all right, well he's going to be a two. He can come in, and it's going to be you know a, a group of Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, and maybe a guy like Khalil Shakur getting opportunities. Everything that was thrown to him, he caught. Solid receiver, obviously there's a potential there for me with a guy like Khalil Shakur is he's going to go to an offense that is expected of great things. He has shown extremely well. Does he take that jump? Does he get himself comfortable playing with a true established top 10 NFL quarterback and a player like Deshaun Watson? Everything looks like it should work. So for a player like that on the offensive side of the ball, I really think Khalil Shakur would be a great, great addition for this Browns offense. You're not going to put a lot on his plate right away, but when you do call his name, you do give him the opportunity. I don't see any reason why he's not going to be able to perform and he's not going to be able to catch the balls that are thrown to him.
0: We've all sort of Jeff pigeonholed them to take a bunch of positions, D&D tack, a wide receiver, maybe a tie. Is there like a, a position that's pretty secure? I don't know what it is, kind of leave this open to you, but do you think they end up taking a position maybe we're not expecting them to? I guess that would be like another corner, offensive lineman. Uh, maybe an interior O-line and a linebacker. Do you think they're just going to address whoever they think is right? Or do you think they're going to kind of attack some positions we think they need to fix?
4: I Look, I don't think that they operate this way truly on need. Do they have needs? Are they going to address the needs? Yes, Um, You look at the cornerback position, uh, you know, going further, you know, they're going to lose Greedy Williams. Hill is not on the roster for 2023. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, re-signing Denzel Ward makes things a lot more comfortable for the future of that room with Newsom, with a player like A.J. Green they love. But look, you're playing Cincinnati twice a year. Somebody's got to cover Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Uh, Tyler Boyd. We don't know what this new version of the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to be, but there are receivers there and you need guys to cover. Um, So I don't think this is a team that is ever done at the cornerback room. And if it even gets to the point where, hey, maybe we're a little deeper than we need to be. All right. Well, Labor Day weekend, we'll figure it all out. If we have too many corners, if we got to move one for a pick to recoup some of the things that we've lost in this Watson trade, we can do that. But I definitely think that cornerback for the Cleveland Browns That is a question of I don't believe they ever truly feel that position is safe. And you want to know what? If we have one and maybe we got to make him take some safety reps or he's going to go play on the roof in a situation where we have seven defensive backs on the field because we love our defensive backs, I think they're okay with it. Cornerback for them is a position I think that is basically the answer to cornerback possession for them is never know that we have too many or do we need more? The position is always open, and they'll always bring in talented cover players.
0: Listen, he's Jeff Lloyd. Find him on Locked On Browns. You can find it every day. Get it, uh, you know, your Spotify, your Apple, anything like that. Jeff does a great job. Always a pleasure to join. Anytime it's your show, my show, Jeff, man, nothing but mad respect. Thanks for taking time, man. Uh, no problem at
4: all, fellas. Have a great time out there. Appreciate you.
0: Okay, Brad, we're going to close. We're going to talk real quick before we get out the door. We've talked about Clowney. That's a future position, right? They could address, you know. That's an answer that's easy. Is Jarvis Landry still on the table, or do you think he's off the table if they don't find a receiver they want here? Could they bring him back, or is it the kind of just these guys are done?
1: I'm I'm still going to say Jarvis is on the table. He he never wanted to leave. It was never his decision to leave the Browns. Um, obviously, the Browns really value his leadership. They 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 did value it. I should say. Um, but the production was not matching the the pay, the $18 million or whatever it was. Um, some can say because that was injuries. But, yeah, Landry never wanted to leave. Um, he wanted originally to sign with a team before the draft. Obviously, I think any player would. Um, but, obviously, I'm checking my – that's not going to happen. Cleveland was offering the, the vet minimum. Um, and I was told by somebody in – uh, not Clowny, Landry's camp, that he thinks his leadership is worth a couple million alone. So, a vet minimum he he might end up taking one because he might have to realize that's that he's only going to get that. And I think it really could come down to New Orleans, Cleveland, New Orleans is home, Cleveland, yeah. best chance to win. So.
0: so you could tie some incentives into that too so yeah, it puts of course, up yep. a banana. Any season. deal will have a yep, yep. heavily incentive laden so hopefully that if the good thing is, Brad, if they miss on some things here, there are veterans still in the market. Clowney's there, Landry's there, wide receiver. We talked to will Fuller. There's Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, some options at D-tackle. So even if they do strike out on some of these, like we've talked about other teams in situations like Carolina with, a, with Baker Mayfield as a backup quarterback option Seattle, you still have a real opportunity here to find some player and players' answers out there. So, listen, that's how we're going to wrap today's show. It's been a blast. We've had a ton of fun here in Vegas, and uh, appreciate Kevin and the Blue Wire gang bringing us out here to uh, the studios. It's an unbelievable facility out here. Blue Wire doing really big things, and and, uh, they've been nothing but great to us bringing on our guests, having us in house, so we uh, really appreciate them. So the draft is tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow night at the end of the draft. I'll record an episode where we will talk through the craziness of round one. Maybe we'll talk about a Browns pick. Maybe we won't, but we'll look at least at who's ahead, what players are going to be available at the top of round two. Have that in your inbox and ready to go for a Friday uh, Friday morning listen. So keep your eye out for that. So you have something to listen to during your workout or your drive-in whenever you do like to listen to those podcasts. It'll be full detail on what players the Browns will pick on Friday night. when The Browns should make some selections. They have several, one at the beginning and one at the very end of Friday night, last pick there, or at least close to the last pick in the third round. So that's going to be fun, man. Even if they don't have a first-round opportunity, it's going to be fun. Make sure you're checking out a ton of great content on the OBR website where we have articles up on seven players that might get out of the first round, articles up on moving late round picks for future veteran players that could help out right away some of those concepts and then we'll also have um some other content geared toward what players will be there for your friday when things get crazy so thanks for checking out today's episode appreciate you guys and your support of the obr's twitch website and this podcast have a great have a great day and hey go browns